Hello, I'm Erica Spray. Welcome to our ongoing podcast series, Voices of VA Research. I'm speaking with Dr. Stefan Kertes, who is an internal medicine physician who works primarily with veterans who experience homelessness and substance use disorder. He runs the patient-aligned care team for homelessness at Birmingham VA Medical Center in Alabama and serves on its Opioid Safety Initiative Committee. He is also on faculty at the University of Alabama, Birmingham School of Medicine. In addition to conducting research on interventions for homelessness and substance use disorder, Dr. Kertes has written extensively on the problem of opioid addiction. What are your thoughts on the push to limit opioid prescriptions to address the problem of opioid addiction? What kind of caught my attention in 2015 and even 2014 is that as we recognize that the opioid prescriptions in much of the commercial and maybe the VA world too were just excessive, the idea was if we just pull back on these prescriptions in a general way, this is going to solve a large social problem of addiction in which opioids are very commonly the drug of use, although alcohol is also. Mm -hmm. And I was worried from the get-go. Um, I can see that if you just set a sharp target of reducing a number of pills, that involves often changing care for patients who might be currently stable, even if um, it involves an opioid. Right. And it may not involve assuming, you know, it may not involve establishing systems of care for people who either have chronic pain or have mental health issues with pain or have those things with addiction. And so I was just, I felt worried. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has recently updated its guidelines for physicians who prescribe opioid medications. What are your concerns about this? The thing that happened there is, you know, we've long known that there is a correlation between higher opioid dose and the risk of an adverse outcome like overdose or suicide, actually. And that's in VA data, it's in other databases. That's, there's a lot more going on in those data. You also see those correlations are also you know, correlated with mental health issues and the number of other medicines the patients are on. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, I think in a very well-intentioned way, said, look, um, we could take people's doses down by having insurance companies that are paid through Medicare Part D simply refuse to pay if the dose is high um, and mandate at least a prior authorization process where uh, the patient's prescription pattern has to be reviewed by somebody at the insurer. And they took a little, and, and insurers have been doing that uh, for the last few years. So CMS put out a plan um, in late February saying, look, within a month, we hope to adopt this as a formal requirement for all insurers. We want to make sure it really happens. And they set some thresholds. And the concern many people had was that that formal requirement was risky and not in alignment with the guideline for prescribing opioids put out by the Centers for Disease Control. Why isn't the CMS guideline in alignment with the CDC recommendations for opioid prescribing? If you sort of Imagine a, a meaningful number of patients have been living at high doses for a long time, and 
they're kind of stable now. We could have an argument about whether they should have ever been brought up to those high doses, but now they're stable. And imagine those folks picking up their monthly prescription and walking into the pharmacy, and the pharmacy saying, sorry, uh, your medicine ends today. Uh, your doctor can proceed through a process with unknown persons at the insurance company to try to explain why they want to continue this. And until then, uh, good luck. And that is a concerning situation because it could have actually thrown patients into acute withdrawal. And oddly enough, even though this caution in doses is well-founded, if you listen carefully to what the CDC said, they actually never advocated a mandatory dose reduction because no one's ever studied that. And it basically, when you don't have data to show what the outcomes are likely to be from doing something to a person, uh, then you typically don't do it. Do CDC guidelines currently recommend that physicians give only a week's worth of opioid medications to their patients? And the CDC guideline group with weak evidence said, you know, we think three days or less should often be sufficient and more than seven days will rarely be needed. And they gave it a high level of endorsement but acknowledged they had the worst quality of evidence. And my view is actually a lot of the times that we've prescribed opioids, like for dental care and such, we shouldn't prescribe them at all. Mm-hmm. And if you're seeing an adolescent particularly, um, you have to be darn careful. So I kind of favor the prudent approach. Right. The trick is that something changed from when the guideline was written to what is happening in society at large. And that's where we got concerned because Whereas the guideline is sort of a general consensus statement of suggestions, many states, uh, and even now in the federal level, uh, they're talking about making a legal requirement to restrict dose duration with the belief underneath it all that if we were to restrict the dose duration, we would actually reduce the incidence of addiction in society at large. And there are some challenges that arise with that decision. What is your philosophy on using opioid medications for people with chronic pain? How do you approach that in your practice? The reality is that I'm, you know, I start with the question I think that is most important is what, what is this patient's functioning today and what are they trying to do with their life? And how have they been? and what's causing them to not be well. And I get to work in a homeless pact, which is resourced with a social work with two nurses uh, with really tight linkages to social services. So mm-hmm. we, we do a comprehensive assessment of the people we see. Many of them are trying to get jobs and get housing and are often on a path of putting their lives back together. And in that process, they'll bring up pain. But we start with a comprehensive evaluation from that point, whatever the pain complaint is, um, typically what you do is nothing to do with opioids. It's often nothing to do with pills. It's like, well, what is it? What did you enter? Um, how does it relate to what you're doing? What about physical therapy? Mm-hmm. I've gotten down on the floor and shown people my Pilates exercises and low back <laughs> exercises. Can you summarize your thoughts on managing patients who are taking opioid medications? And where would you like to see this go? Whole patient care. Take care of the whole patient, mm-hmm. not, not, a, not a dose, not a pill.
our fundamental responsibility is the health and well-being of the patient, and that means getting to know them. Um, and then, you know, take advantage of the fact that in the VA, we have the data and we actually have wonderful dashboard tools like the STORM tool that show you how the patient's mental health, physical health, non-opioid medications, and medications all interrelate to identify persons who are at high risk. And if you want to address the risk in a person who's currently receiving opioids, then address the risk. And that risk usually means maybe talking about dose reduction, but doing so very carefully, mm -hmm. mitigating the risk through things like naloxone kits, but most importantly, addressing pain education and mental health. Patients need to hear a new narrative for why pain is what it is, which is a very psychological and brain-centered narrative as opposed to, you know, this part of your body hurts, we're trying to medicate it. Mm. And they need to hear that we are engaging with the mental health piece because in the end, uh, the data I've seen suggests that mental health stability or mental health instability is really a very powerful driver as to whether things are going to go poorly on opioids mm -hmm. or whether they're going to go poorly when you reduce the dose. I want to thank Dr. Kertes for joining me on Voices of VA Research. I hope you found it informative. I'm Erica Spray. Please tune in again. To learn more about the latest in VA research, go to research.va.gov.